We live in a proud, self-centered generation. It's now considered acceptable, if not normal, to promote yourself, to praise yourself, to put yourself first. Pride is seen as a virtue by many, and humility, on the other hand, is seen as a weakness. Everyone is screaming for his or her own rights and seeking to be recognized as being important. In our generation, people are preoccupied with self-esteem, self-love, self-glory. And that is destroying the foundations upon which society is built. No culture can survive pride run rampant. For all of society depends on proper relationships. When people are committed firstly and foremostly to themselves, relationships fall short. And sadly, this pride and self-centeredness can also creep into the church. People want their own way. They're offended if they're not given their place. They fall out if things don't go the way they want them to go. And yet the Bible is clear that self-centeredness has no place in the Christian life. Jesus continually taught against pride. He told the disciples that they had to deny self to take up the cross and to follow him. In his life and in his teaching, Jesus constantly exalted the virtue of humility. And nowhere is that clearer in the passage we read together from John chapter 13, where Jesus humbles himself to wash the disciples' feet. Notice, firstly, his love for the disciples. Mark, uh, John chapter 13 marks a turning point in John's gospel and to the ministry of Jesus. On the Sunday prior to this, Jesus had entered Jerusalem riding on a donkey. In triumphant entry, as the enthusiastic crowd shouted their hosannas and threw their cloaks on the ground and waved their palm branches. Yet the people how misunderstood his message and the purpose of his ministry. They were looking for someone who was going to drive the Romans out of the land and reestablish Israel as a, an independent nation again. And of course, Jesus came to go the way of the cross. This was the Passover season. And by Friday, Jesus would be utterly rejected and crucified. God, whoever would turn at execution into the great and final sacrifice for sin, and Jesus would die as the true Passover lamb. This incident, which I want us to look at tonight, takes place 
on the day before Jesus is crucified. But rather than being preoccupied with what lay ahead and the, the thought of the cross, he was totally consumed with his love for his disciples. Knowing that he would soon go the way of the cross where he would die a terrible death for the sins of the world, he was still concerned with the needs of the 12 men who were his disciples. In literally what were the last hours before his death, Jesus kept showing his disciples his love over and over and over again. In those days in Israel, people either wore sandals or walked barefooted. Even if they wore sandals, sandals did little to keep the dirt off their feet. So as the people walked the dusty roads in bare feet or in sandals, this created a problem. And so at the entrance of every Jewish home was a large pot of, pot of water to wash people's feet. Now normally, foot washing was the duty of the lowliest servant. When guests arrived at the house, if there were servants or slaves in the house, it was their responsibility to go to the door and to, to wash the feet of the people, the guests. Not a very pleasant task. In fact, washing feet was probably among the lowliest duties that a slave performed for other people. Even disciples of rabbis were not to wash the feet of their master. This was uniquely the task of the slave. So Jesus and the disciples arrive in the upper room, and there was no one there to wash the feet. Only days before, Jesus had said to the twelve in Matthew chapter 20, if one of you wants to be great, he must be a Sorry, he must be a servant of the rest. And if one of you wants to be first, he must be your slave. If they had given mind and heart to what Jesus had said, one of the twelve would surely have washed the feet of the others. Or at least they would have washed each other's feet. But it never occurred to them. Because of their selfishness, the basin was there, the towel was there, everything was ready, but no one moved to wash the other's feet. And if anyone in that room should have been thinking about other things, if anybody in that room should have been thinking about the glory that would be his in the kingdom, it was Jesus. Verse 1 tells us that Jesus knew that his hour had come. He knew exactly what lay ahead. He was on a divine schedule. But instead of being concerned with his glory, and in spite of the selfishness of these men, he focused his attention as clearly as he could, showing his love for these disciples. He had always loved those in the world who were his own. And he loved them to the very end. That means he loved them to perfection. He loved them to the uttermost. He loved them with total fullness of love. 
Jesus loved utterly, absolutely, perfectly and totally, completely and unreservedly. At a time when most people would have been concerned totally with themselves. And Jesus could have been forgiven for focusing on what lay ahead. He selflessly humbled himself to meet the needs of others. Genuine love, Christian love, is like that. So Jesus waited until everyone had been seated and supper was served. Then in this devastating act of humility that must have stunned the disciples, he got up, tied a towel around his waist, and began to wash the disciples' feet and dried them with the towel around his waist. Can you imagine how that must have stung the hearts of these disciples? Do you feel the pain, the regret, the sorrow that must have shot through them? One of them could have had the joy of kneeling down and washing Jesus' feet. Instead, he was washing their feet. I am sure they were dumbfounded. I'm sure they were brokenhearted. What a painful and profound lesson this was for them. And we too must learn lessons from this passage. Sadly, the church is full of people who stand on their dignity when they ought to be kneeling at the feet of their brothers and sisters. The desire for prominence is a death to love, death to humility, and death to service. A person who is proud and self-centered has no capacity for love and humility. Consequently, any service he or she may think of performing for the Lord is a waste. When you are tempted to stand on your dignity, when you're tempted to stand on your prestige, when you're tempted to stand on your rights, open the Bible at John chapter 13 and have a good look at what Jesus did. Clothed like a slave, kneeling, washing the dirt of these sinful men who were utterly indifferent to his impending death. Jesus, the God of glory, washing the feet of dirty, sinful, inglorious disciples. Think about it. The glorious God of the universe came down to this earth to live as a human being, to live among us, That is humility. Then to kneel on the ground to wash the dirty, filthy feet of sinful men, that is indescribable humility. For a fisherman to wash the feet of another fisherman is a relatively small sacrifice of dignity. But for Jesus Christ, in whose heart beats the pulse of eternal God, that he would stoop and wash the feet of these men, that is the greatest humility of all. And that is the nature of genuine humility. That is the proof of genuine love. Is such humility 
Is such love evident in your life? Secondly, I want us to notice the spiritual washing that Jesus goes on to talk about. As Jesus moved from disciple to disciple, he eventually came to Peter, who must have been completely broken. Peter could not believe what he was seeing. You're going to wash my feet, Lord? Perhaps he pulled his feet back as a natural reaction. And Jesus replied, you do not understand what I am doing, but you will understand later. Peter was still thinking of the kingdom and of Jesus as king. He was still thinking in terms, political terms, rather than spiritual terms. How could he allow the king to wash his feet? Not until after Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension would Peter understand fully the humility of Jesus. And Jesus said that he had to wash his feet. Peter becomes bold and he says, never at any time will you wash my feet. Jesus answered, if I do not wash your feet, you will no longer be my disciple. And then Peter cries, Lord, wash not only my feet, Wash my hands and my head also. This was typical Peter, wasn't it? He went from one extreme, never will you wash my feet, to the other extreme, do not wash my feet only. There was profound meaning in Jesus' words. If I do not wash your feet, you will no longer be my disciple. The typical Jewish mind could not accept the Messiah as being humble, let alone being humiliated. In Peter's mind, there was no place for Jesus to be humiliated like this. Jesus was the king. Peter had to realize and be made to realize that Christ came to be humiliated. If Peter could not accept this act of humiliation, he would certainly have trouble accepting what Jesus would do for him on the cross. There's yet another profound truth in Jesus' words. He was moving from the physical illustration of washing feet to the spiritual illustration of washing people on the inside. He was saying, Peter, unless you allow me to wash you in a spiritual way, you are not clean and you can have no part of me. All cleansing in the spiritual realm comes from Jesus. The only way to be clean spiritually is to come to Christ in repentance and in faith so as to be washed in the blood of the Lamb. No man or woman has a relationship with Christ unless Christ has cleansed him or her from sin. No one can be a Christian. No one can enter into the presence of God unless he or she first submits to this cleansing. When a person puts his or her faith in Christ as their personal Savior and Lord, then he or she is clean but not until then. (coughs) 
thinking that the Lord was speaking of physical cleansing. Peter offers his hands and his head representing everything. He does not still see the full spiritual meaning, but says in essence, whatever washing you have got to offer that makes me part of you, I want it. And Jesus, still speaking about spiritual washing, says, anyone who has had a bath is completely clean and does not have to wash himself except his feet. There's a difference between having a bath and having your feet washed. In the culture of that day, a person would have a bath in the morning or maybe have a bath before they were going out to visit their friends. But as they went through the day, walking the dusty roads of Palestine, their feet became dirty. They did not need to take a bath. They've already had the bath. All they needed was for their dirty feet to be washed before they entered someone's house. And what Jesus is saying to Peter and to us is this. Once you have been bathed at the time of your conversion, once you have been bathed when you come to me in personal trust and faith, you are clean. From that point on, you do not need to be converted over again every time you commit a sin. All God has to do is to daily get the dust from our feet. You have a bath once and for all. The day you turn to Christ in repentance and in faith. The day you become a Christian. But you need your feet washed every day as you walk through this world and get dirty feet. Day and daily. We need to confess our sin. We need to keep short accounts with God. We need to confess our sin not in order to be converted again, but to keep our relationship with God right. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us, literally to keep on cleansing us from all unrighteousness. Have you had the bath? Have you committed your life to Jesus in repentance and in faith? Do you daily come to Christ to have your feet washed? Do you come regularly confessing your sin, confessing your wrongdoing? It is true that we are already forgiven through justification, but as a Christian, it is crucial to keep short accounts with God. And that means that we should confess our sins regularly to God and ask for his forgiveness. And if we do that, it makes it easier to follow God's will in our lives. Then we come to verses 12 to 17. We are to show Christ's humility. After Jesus had washed their feet and returned to his place at the table, do you understand what I've just done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and it is right that you do so, because that is what I am. I, your Lord and teacher, have just washed your feet. You then 
should wash one another's feet. I have set an example for you so that you will do just what I have done for you. <coughs> Jesus argued that if the Lord of glory was willing to gird himself with a towel, to take upon himself the role of the humble slave and wash the dirty, smelly feet of sinful people, it was reasonable that the disciples should be willing to wash one another's feet. Some churches have thought that Jesus was instituting an ordinance of the church and so practiced foot washing in a ritual manner similar to the way that we have baptism and communion. But dare I say it, they have missed the point. They've missed everything that Jesus is teaching here. He's not saying behave in the same manner that I have behaved. The example we are to follow is not the washing of feet, but the humility which he displayed when he washed their feet. Jesus' humility is the real lesson of this passage. It was practical humility that should govern every area of life, every day of life, and every experience of life. The result of following Jesus with the kind of humility he showed is the humility of loving service, doing even the menial and the humiliating tasks for the glory of Jesus. That demolishes much of the popular ideas of what constitutes spirituality. Some people seem to think that the nearer they get to God, the further they will be from fellow human beings, but that is not true. The closer we are to God, the greater should be our motivation to serve our fellow men and women. In terms of sacrificing to serve others, there was never anything that Jesus was unwilling to do. Why should we be different? We are not greater than our Lord. I am telling you the truth, said Jesus. No slave is greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know the truth, how happy will you be if you put it into practice? You want to be blessedly fulfilled? Develop a servant heart. Stop standing up for yourself. Stop standing up and stop, th stop thinking that you should be given your place. Stop thinking that you need to be recognized for what you are doing. We are Christ's servants and a servant is not greater than his or her master. If Jesus could step down from a position of glory in heaven to become a man and to live among us, and if Jesus could further step down to wash the dirty feet of 12 undeserving sinners, even the one who was going to betray him, we ought to be willing to suffer any indignity to serve him. That is true love. That is true humility.
We're called not to stand up for our own right, but to humbly serve Jesus and to serve others in Jesus' name. Is that love and that humility evidenced in your life? Let us pray.